Welcome to the Career Zone podcast, where each episode we spend some time focusing on something that's on students' minds right now. I'm your host, Rachel, Employability and Careers Consultant with the University of Exeter. You can catch up on all of our episodes by doing all of those subscribing and following things. We're on Spotify and iTunes. Hello and welcome to the Career Zone podcast. My name is Rich Daniels and I'm the Placements Learning Manager at the University. In this podcast, I have the pleasure of talking to Quinn Leatherbarrow-Stokes from QWERTY Beerbox, who is also an alum of the uni. In this episode, we'll discuss his time at the university and explore how his choices and actions put him on the path to starting his own company. Welcome to the podcast, Quinn. Hello. Hi, Richard. Yeah, thank you very much. A very good introduction. Oh, thank you very much. I do try. I do try. Um, so maybe to start, could you tell us a bit about yourself and a bit about your company? Yes, sure. So I'm uh, my name's Quinn. I'm 25 and uh, co-founder of QWERTY Beerbox and QWERTY Commerce. Um, with QWERTY Beerbox, essentially we focus on beer gift hampers um, and championing independent breweries. Uh, so focusing on big sort of gifting events like Christmas and Father's Day. Um, and then with QWERTY Commerce, we focus on basically helping craft businesses online increase their sales. Um, so we've got clients that range from uh, distilleries to breweries to sort of peanut butter companies um, and basically helping them scale online. So yeah, that's sort of a, a little 30 second summary. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah, it's brilliant. And, it, and we've chatted before, your business has grown, isn't it? You started just on the the craft beer side of things and obviously then entered into this e-commerce commerce element as well, which is amazing. Yeah, no, it's uh, been exciting. I think we started yeah, with the sort of product-led business uh, in the sense of making these beer gift hampers. And then as we found um, working with a network of now 80 breweries, they were really looking to get expertise on selling online. Uh, so a lot of these breweries don't have the expertise in in-house they're they're quite a small like family-led brewery and potentially they haven't had experience selling online so we sort of look to we created quality commerce as a sort of bolt-on service to to help those help those breweries um and then from that have expanded into other categories amazing so you're always looking for opportunities to uh, push the business forward by the sounds of it yes yeah, yeah exactly nikki and i uh who is the co-founder other co-founder of qwerty commerce and qwerty beerbox each week uh in our sort of weekly process research a different category to, to sort of research into so what we looked at we've looked at um pets pet toys um we've looked at energy drinks uh lots of different markets and stuff so always always looking to learn about different uh, categories and grow. Uh, brilliant prime seems to be the main uh, drink at the moment doesn't it that's yeah, blimey, I don't know how. <laughs> I, I, I always see it in, in various corner shops around around London, but it's, it's obscenely expensive. I've never, have you tried it? £14 or something? No, ridiculous. My brother-in-law bought a bottle for his son for £10 for a bottle, just as a gimmick. And his, uh, so his son took it into school and all his, all his mates were really excited that he'd got this prime. And he tasted it and it was horrible. Really? <laughs> so just, yeah. Uh, is, what is it? That's sort of, um, Nick and I are very interested about that, like learning about how... Logan Paul and KSI as these like massive two influencers who've created this product and the sort of sway they have with their following and how how they can create a, a product from nothing and all of a sudden it's like <laughs> selling out ever crazy. It's amazing and it's I'm not, I don't, I'm not sure it really differentiates itself from anything else but just because of their presence it's incredibly popular. It's just that's the power of the uh, the internet isn't it and social media. 
Yeah, no, they're, def- they're definitely doing something right. Yeah, definitely. Um, so as I mentioned, you obviously you're an alum of the university. What if you tell us a bit about what you did um, at university, your degree, and what other kind of things you got involved with? Because unfortunately, I am going to ask you about placements because I manage the placements team. So um, uh, what, what, yeah, what did you do? What did you study when you're at uni? So I studied um, business and management with industrial experience. Um, so uh, yeah, so sort of four-year course with with the third-year placement. Um, with the placement, I went to GlaxoSmithKline uh, and did um, marketing sales for the consumer healthcare department. So that was in the in London in Brentford. Uh, really enjoyed it. Um, and I always sort of say to all of my friends or like younger siblings, definitely get a placement in there because. It gave me lots of experience to draw on that I could sort of talk about in assessment centres for graduate jobs, um, etc. Fantastic. And how did you find that process leading up to finding a placement? I mean, we'll touch a bit more on that more later on in the podcast about the things that you access while you're at university. But how did you find that process of trying to find a placement initially and then going through those application processes? So essentially, I thought the university were very good in that we joined and I already was on the, the sort of we scheme uh, and then straight away you get into being told sort of to start having a think about what you want to do getting your CV primed and everything uh, because the scheme sort of opened up quite early I think that was the thing which sort of shocked me um, shocked me the most but uh, but yeah I think as well as the CV clinics and the sort of network I think it's about speaking to just like going out there researching uh, remember those emails that get sent with new placements coming out etc etc so I think the university are very good how they're on it and they're informing you right from the offset to sort of get in there and get your research done so the key thing is starting early rather than leaving to the last minute do you think yes yeah very very much so I think with my placement I ended up going with my first uh the first assessment center I did I ended up uh, managing to get and so I had it sorted by um by december i think so that was quite nice having having that already sort of set up and then you can just relax get ready for the the, the placement starting later on that year yeah enjoy university the year. yeah exactly yeah <laughs> exactly well get ready for the exams probably at the end of yes. January, unfortunately. Well, a, a nice a nice mix of uh getting ready for exams and post exams being able to Enjoy your time at university, <laughs> however, you, however you deem that necessary. Let's not explore the uh, the enjoy at this point in this <laughs> podcast. That might be for a different one. Um, <laughs> brilliant. Excellent. Um, so you've obviously done a lot while you're at university, um, but let's have a think. Let's, let's explore a little bit about kind of that development for you in terms of thinking about what you want to do um, and then how your dis- the th- decisions that you made then influence that. Um, when you arrived at university, I just wondered whether when you started, where you'd even thought about starting your own business or whether you hadn't really thought about your career. Where did your kind of career thinking start at your during your university journey? So I think um, my family, are, my dad's like an entrepreneur. And my mum has done various entrepreneurial activities. So it's always sort of been within the within the family as such. But when I joined university, I didn't anticipate starting a business um i wanted to go on to do a grad scheme with like a blue chip firm uh the fmcg or sort of tech um and sort of 
getting out there, going to all the careers events, etc., and speaking to the likes of Deloitte and um, all of the sort of big consultancies, like really opened up my mind to all the different options out there. Um, yeah, and it was only, only after university, sort of the last six months, where I actually started a startup idea. Um, but yeah, I think going into university didn't have any anticipation of starting a business. And I think it's, that's an interesting point, isn't it? Because um, part of doing the placement is and and accessing all those different things doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be very fixed on what you're going to do post university. And I think for a lot of people, myself included, is that you go on a on a kind of a journey, really thinking about things, trying stuff that doesn't work, or you take some bits from it and thinking, actually, I didn't enjoy everything related to that, but I enjoy those really good bits, and those are the bits I want to do when I when I move forward. And that's the sort of, th sort of thing that we think about when we're helping to support students is and talk to students about is you you don't have to be fixated on one thing and actually maybe it's better not to be fixated on one particular career path but be open to others as well and explore those because there might be something you'd never thought of which actually suits you much better than that chosen path that you thought you had at the beginning of university yeah no i think i definitely agree with that i've, I've got friends who did three-year courses jumped straight into um a grad scheme and then realized that their grad scheme they didn't like that industry whereas i think with the year in industry you basically got this this one year opportunity to try something which you think you like hopefully you do but if not uh you leave that with a big sort of um lot of experience to draw upon for, for further job applications but also you know that you never want to do that ever again <laughs> so yeah even if it doesn't go well you know you've got the year after university year after sort of get back into university um so yeah, I would recommend it to to try an industry you think you like and you'll ultimately find out whether or not that's one for you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that's probably the same for quite a lot of students, actually, isn't it? When they go through that, some are very some are quite focused. They know what they want to do and that the placement is in that industry or in that type of role. And they and then they get offered a graduate job in that role. And that's fantastic. Um, but even in that case, there's no um, it's it's not to say that's set in stone now and that's all you're ever going to do. You might do a couple of years and think, actually, that's as your friends have done, that's not for me, actually, I need to do, I'm going to go do something else. And we've, you've touched on the placement element is brilliant to kind of try before you actually commit to something to, to see what it's like. And did you, when you were, when you were uh, in the placement for GlaxoSmithKline, were you just in one role or do you get an opportunity to work in other departments in different roles? So yeah, I was actually in um, just one role for the entire, um, the entire year. There was a, a restructure, which is quite an exciting thing to be a part of, like taking my <laughs> business course and seeing the old management of change and everything uh, yeah. so there's a restructure so my scope of my role changed but it was technically the same role uh, but yeah, i think i would always recommend people if possible to to sort of rotate round roles but i think there is something to be said with ensuring you stay in a role for at least sort of six months so you know you get comfortable with it you you can start to start to push the role a little bit as opposed to if you were to change every three months or something potentially you wouldn't become competent in the role yet so i think definitely 12 months I was understood the role and um, that was enough time to sort of understand the role and decide whether or not that was what I wanted to do going forward. Yeah definitely and placements are fantastic and they're and I obviously rave about them because I manage a team that supports students with placements so I would but there are there's opportunities to do internships as well out there and work outside uni so working in the evenings or doing an internship over the summer any kind of work opportunity gives you that ability to think about okay is this for me what do I like what I don't like and start to build those skills and do you think those skills 
helped you on the academic side when you kind of came back from placement? 100%. Um, so I was thinking about this and from going away working, basically devised lots of sort of different prioritization tasks uh, like the Eisenhower theory, which basically enables you to choose what to focus your time on and sort of working the nine to five lifestyle, then coming back to university in fourth year had a much better work ethic um, and ultimately enjoyed it a lot more because it means you savour not having to get up at a certain time and uh, <laughs> but also you're given the skills that when you need to apply yourself you can be much more productive um, and so it helped with exams etc as well. Yeah fantastic. So Going back to your business then, obviously it's a fantastic thing that you've developed your own business and obviously it's going from strength to strength, which is amazing. But it must have been quite, it's quite a big thing to basically make that decision to start your own business and then maybe not follow that route into a graduate job. Were you, did you have any concerns or worries about starting your own business before you actually then decided that's my path? Uh, I think when you, when you look at sort of a fully fledged business you go oh my goodness how am I gonna how am I gonna get to that that seems outrageous uh, I think the key thing which helped me to sort of deal with starting out was was trying to keep tasks very um, short-term focused and achievable uh, so whether or not that was create the Instagram handle or apply for a license or choose a brand name etc just really like achievable goals um, which as you then build on uh, continuously like exponentially um, gets into something a little uh, more significant so I think uh, the main the main sort of worries were okay what are the next steps how do I prioritize not particularly knowing what to do um, and then also the, the the money aspect is something which I think is is, is important to stress like you have to be prepared to um, keep costs as low as possible personally uh, so that you don't have to draw funds on the business um, so I think I was able to have some savings from a previous job I'd had um, but yeah, trying to keep your fixed costs as low as possible so that you can give yourself as long a runway as possible so not have to draw money from the business um, for at least sort of six months so that you can properly give it your best shot um, and your time ultimately. Oh definitely that, that must be tough not thinking I, I can't earn anything from the business for a while until I can get it up and running. Yeah, no, it, it is very tough. We have to make some personal sacrifices. So uh, I derive a lot of fun from uh, free activities such as seeing my friends uh, <laughs> and going cycling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Go for walks, go to the beach, all those. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you must have faced some key challenges then, apart from that one, that, that as you started that business and it grew, and it grew. Um, Obviously, resilience and perseverance must have been two key skills for you to either have before you started that or you've developed and had to develop over that period of time. What what have been the key challenges that you faced and, and how how did you overcome them? Yeah, I think uh, a key challenge with doing a startup, which you're passionate about, is um, finding a work life balance. Um, I think even potentially harder than uh, then if you're in a, a job which you're not enjoying, you're obviously driven to ensure you get that balance because you're not enjoying a job. But if you're really enjoying a job, you can find you're spending so much time that potentially you're not even realising that your relationships with people, etc., aren't as strong. So I think it's trying to hold yourself accountable uh, to put time in 
to your calendar to see your friends, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, um, see your family. Um, I'd say that that's sort of a, a challenge, which probably isn't the, the standard answer. Um, other other challenges include uh, the, the money aspect, sort of salary aspect, um, and then being able to sort of prioritise. Ultimately, there's going to be endless opportunities that you can choose from, and lots of rabbit holes where if you spend two hours doing something right you could have spent that elsewhere is there yeah that's a big challenge with there's going to be endless options so how do you choose what to focus your time on yeah that i can imagine that as a challenge because you could probably say oh there's a market there i can explore or oh i wonder if i can have a look into that when that's going to be really interesting and, and yeah. how how do you think you make that decision around I'm not, I'm, and that might have been not been something you did very well at the beginning, but how do you make that decision around, okay, this is something we definitely want to pursue, or this is something that actually, that's not going to do anything, that's not going to actually grow the business or grow me as an individual? Yeah, so Nikki and I have become quite good at holding ourselves super accountable in terms of timings, um, so that if there's an opportunity we think could be a runner, uh, we give ourselves a specific amount of time to, to trial that, so it doesn't uh, sort of leak into other other areas of the business um, and create a minimum viable product. So how can we test this market with with us using the minimal amount of resources? Um, so if we're trying a new craft beer hamper, for example, we'll try around 100 units because that's sort of enough where we can just about see whether or not it work and we're confident that we'll be able to sell it worst comes to worst um, at a sort of key event coming up. Um, yeah, so, so wanting to try that and then being really analytical with how you determine whether or not it was a success or not. Uh, and then being really cut for it, cutting it out if it doesn't work. Uh, the 80-20 rule is something that we've really been focusing on this year. Uh, so of our 20% of our, our products, uh, of our, all our products, 80% of our sales come from 20% of the products. So basically focusing on your time on the key winners is something that we found really important um, and generally uh, just going forward is something we want to continue to do. Yeah, I can imagine. And if you, is that 80-20 something that you learn at university or uh, we had a chat before and you were talking about with podcasts that you listen to, is there someone that inspires you around in the business world and you think, actually, I listened to him and actually I tweaked a couple of ideas from him? Oh yeah, I listen her. to uh, a, lot of, a lot of podcasts. Yeah, so there's lots of podcasts with, um, uh, so listen to like Diary of CEO and the High Performance Podcast and all these all these guys and girls. Super interesting to hear from the founders of various businesses, um, try and learn everything. But I think the 80-20 rule I learned at university um, in one of my various modules. Um, yeah, that's something which I enjoyed about university was how much choice we got to choose the modules that interested us. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, choice is important, isn't it? Just to make sure that you... And, and sometimes... You may not make the right choice but it's about having the ability to do that at that point and then if it's still and i think that's true of life to a certain extent as well sometimes you do when things go wrong and you may have come across that yourself sometimes it's about that doesn't mean that's a failure that just means that's an opportunity to reflect and actually learn from those mistakes and actually do better in the future if you if you had any of those sort of situations where you things haven't gone right um but actually that's actually really helped you to move things forward uh, so there's been situations like when we first launched the um, Quality Beer Box product, we launched it specifically for beer drinkers themselves to buy. Um, anyway, we found that as sort of COVID, we came out of COVID and 
lockdown stopped, the people who we were serving um, were going back to pubs. Um, so we saw our sort of sales start to drop, but we'd seen an insight in that a lot of the boxes getting bought were for gifting. Um, so that was where we saw our sales drop because people were going back to pubs, but the gifting element was continuing because people potentially wanted to, to send a gift to someone um, elsewhere in the country, etc. So we took that insight and doubled down on the gifting aspect. Um, and that now is forms forms the sort of focus of quality beer box. So if we hadn't have seen those sales drop off, um, we wouldn't have potentially doubled down as quickly and, and be where we are now. Yeah, fantastic. And obviously you've got a big day coming up with Father's Day in uh, in a couple of weeks time. So you must be very busy at the moment with orders and packing and sending and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, lo lots of packing going on. Um, 18th of June is Father's Day. Uh, and yeah, super excited. It's the biggest, second biggest event for us after Christmas. But yeah, that's, that's a big event. And then focusing on that and then we have Christmas, etc. So it's quite nice. It's a seasonal aspect. So we know that we can um this is basically the the crunch month and then come if we've got any annual leave take that after <laughs> yeah yeah i can imagine <laughs> uh, no one's allowed any annual leave during that period in your organization yes uh, in, in the organization of um nikki and i we, yeah, <laughs> we've, exactly. got, we've got a calendar yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah easy to identify who's off in uh in your company at the moment yes. um so reflecting on your time at university, let's cast, our, cast your mind back, um, if you can, about um, uh, your time there. And I wanted to explore a bit more about, and we've touched on some of the things that you um, benefited from and accessed whilst you're at university um, to develop those skills and experience and confidence to start your own company. Um, have you got any, we talked a bit about support from the placements team around kind of the CV clinics and other bits and pieces. Were there any particular things that you found most useful around the career service or um, things that you maybe didn't access at the time um, and thought, oh, I wish I had? Yeah, so I've uh, had a think about this and I think um, the careers events were, were really great, which was like when you obviously have sort of 30, 40, 50 different employers come all in one place. You can go around, get the sort of prospectuses uh, and get sort of a flavor of the different um, businesses out there. Um, I also found, uh, this is quite a, a rogue one, but getting the professional photos done. So that was something oh, yeah. which, which I had done uh, with the careers team. Uh, and then your LinkedIn is popping off and you've got, because I, I personally didn't have any professional photos. I think I had one of me in like a bow tie or something. Um, so that's just another another sort of novel novelty sort of one. Um, but I also had a session with a careers coach um, where they sort of looked at my CV, but also spoke to me about how, um, what, what areas I was interested in going with the career. Um, so that was another area where sort of the career support was, was super helpful um and then i mean the university themselves uh are obviously very keen to to support however they can um so i think the, the amount of resources out there is is a lot and i think it was sort of almost finding those resources i think a lot of people would it's the key thing is like uh making sure people are aware of them um which which luckily which luckily i was and you've mentioned LinkedIn. I mean, that's something that we do talk to students about, building that LinkedIn profile 
whilst you're studying and then using that, especially if you're undertaking placements, it can be really useful to find those roles or just create those links with other people. What what have you used your LinkedIn profile for? At, what did you use it for at that time and how has that helped you moving forward? Yeah, so I, I made my LinkedIn in first year um, after being encouraged by by the business school and the careers team. And genuinely, it has been a super helpful asset. Um, some people are asking, oh, why have you got LinkedIn already? What are you doing? But I think it's actually, when you start building your portfolio and your uh, network, um, it's been super helpful. So now I use LinkedIn to generate content and people I linked in with six years ago, et cetera, whilst, whilst at university, um, still engaged with, uh, and it's a way to keep keep tabs on how everyone's doing um, and I used it to to find placements I think I saw the GSK placement actually advertised on LinkedIn um, and yeah now now I use it for QWERTY commerce to post about we post our blogs on a weekly basis on LinkedIn and uh, it's, a, it's a good platform to start early because um, yeah you, as soon as you get start getting connections etc it just enables you to, to, to tap into people who you wouldn't otherwise know Brilliant. Yeah, I think, yeah, we we will continue to talk to students about LinkedIn being quite an important thing for them in terms of their kind of career and then especially their networks, really, and developing those networks with with not only um, external organisations and people, but also, as you said, with with other students who potentially could be that client of the future, could be that potential business partner, could be that person who has an opportunity in their company and they and they signpost you to it. I mean, so, yeah. many, so many things. Yeah, I'd say that's, that's generally something from university as well. The people you're in a cohort with now are going to be the business leaders of whenever. So it's sort of really making the most of trying to get into every society, every uh, sort of event you can, so that you can broaden your broaden your network, meet people that like university is a hotbed for for international talent. So um, if you can make the most of it while you're there, I'm sure it'll pay dividends in the future. Yeah, no, I totally agree. One of the things we, we, um, we've spoken briefly about is, is Upreach, which you were involved with whilst you were at university. I wonder if you could just tell us a bit about, um, maybe a bit about your, your thoughts on what Upreach is, and then a bit about how you think that benefited you whilst you were at university and beyond. Yeah, so Upreach um, is a charity which aims to support um, people from less privileged backgrounds and uh, areas which aren't being um, sort of given the best opportunities uh, to get the sort of top tier jobs, et cetera. Um, so with, with Upreach, I was able to sort of get um, careers coaching. Uh, I had a mentor um, and they would give advice about assessment centers and preparations. Um, and through that, I was able to get uh, internships with the likes of sort of Google, Unilever and Deloitte, um, which are just extra experience you can get. Uh, so I definitely recommend applying for Upreach um, is a great charity and something which I still um, keep in contact with them now. Um, so yeah, I think very valuable uh, asset to, to have. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Um, and the details for Upreach, they're on the university website if anyone wants to explore Upreach and, and how you can um, apply and reach out for, um, for help. So that's amazing. Um, I feel like I could probably talk to you probably for about another three hours, Quinn, if I'm honest, but we probably should bring the, the podcast to a close at this particular point. But I want to, my final question, I suppose, is looking back, you've obviously achieved a, a phenomenal amount um, whilst you're at university and beyond. What would your top tips be 
to a student about their careers and how they can support themselves in developing employability skills and, and their careers choices. Have you got any kind of tips for anyone who's listening? So I think top tips, um, I would say start early, uh, 100%. Um, you don't want to be leaving, applying for grad jobs until when you're trying to revise your finals because that doesn't end well. Uh, I've, I've seen that and witnessed it as well. Um, I think, yeah, starting early, making the most of all the resources available at the university. So Exeter especially, um, speaking to other, other graduates, has a, a wide... Uh, pool of resources so it's all about going actually taking advantage of that uh, going to the cv clinics getting involved with the various networking events etc um, so i say yeah, using the resources available to you starting early and um, trying to get experience real life experience so whether or not that's doing a placement or doing a summer internship um, with qwerty we offer through the x university we do pathways to marketing pathways to international trade all of these different um, sort of events that are available through the university just just to get some real life experience so your CV will will pay big dividends um, yeah so I'd, I'd say ultimately uh, start earlier enjoy it and um, I'm sure I'm sure it'll work out. Quinn thank you very much for your time it's been great to speak to you um, and um, hopefully we might be able to do another one at some point in the future. Yeah, hopefully. We've got big plans, so uh, might have oh. to come back in and give you some updates. <laughs> that sounds good. When you're a multinational company, we'll come back and then you can maybe talk to us more about careers and we can uh, maybe put some extra students, have some placement students with you. It'd be amazing. Oh my goodness, yeah, that would be the dream. That <laughs> would be the dream. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you, best. Richard. Cheers. This was the Career Zone podcast brought to you by the University of Exeter Career Zone. Check out iTunes and Spotify to keep up with all of our regular releases. And if you'd like us to cover something else in another episode, just send us a message, hashtag careerzonepodcast at UOE Careers on Twitter or at UOE Career Zone or at UOE Cornwall Career Zone on Instagram. And we'll follow up in one of the next episodes.